The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to Raising Good Humans. I'm Dr. Elisa Pressman. My first book, The Five Principles of Parenting, Your Essential Guide to Raising Good Humans, is out now. In this book, I've wanted to quiet all the noise that's out there and distill the science into five core principles. And using those principles, you can solve absolutely any parenting challenge, giving you the confidence to raise good humans. Order now and give yourself a little bit of ease. Welcome back to another solo pod episode. I wanted to do like a Q&A style episode because I love the solos, but sometimes I just have a hard time of thinking about what I want to talk about. And then whenever I get DMs, I'm like, oh, I should think about that. And then I always forget. So I did a question box on my Instagram and a lot of you guys submitted some great prompts and... I divided them into segments of like parenting, postpartum, and then non-kid related. And I honestly think that we have enough to do like a parenting postpartum episode and then a non-kid related episode, which I think might be beneficial. So let's go about it that way, I guess. Let's just kick it right the F off. Come on in, take a seat. What is the hardest part of transitioning from one to two kids? I say this a lot where I thought that zero to one was going to be harder than one to two. A, because that's kind of what everyone told me. But B, because I struggled so much with zero to one postpartum in this feeling of, I don't know who I am anymore. I can't believe I'm a mom. Like, what is this identity? Who am I? My life is so different what does my future hold? All of those feelings. And when I got pregnant the second time, I was like, well, it'll be nice because it'll be easier postpartum because I won't have to go through that because I already know I'm a mom. Like I feel confident as a mom, my life already revolves around a child. And that's all true. Like none of those emotions have come to light because I've already given up the freedom that I once had before I had children. So there's no like mourning that experience. What has been harder this time is that it feels like there's so much less time for yourself and the amount of planning that has to go in to get a moment to yourself feels so exhausting that it's like, is it even worth it? And I think that this is something I know that this is something that Joe feels as well because we've talked about it many of times where the reality is when you have one kid, one parent can watch that said child and the other parent can have time to do whatever they want. So for instance, very simply, like Joe does bath and bedtime with our toddler he has since the very beginning. So for the past two years, I have had that like six to seven window-ish to myself where I like finish up my work, I shower, I like just kind of regroup and then have time to hang out once he goes down to bed. Now we are just dividing and conquering a lot. So like he'll take our toddler, I'll take our baby. And it's just, if if you're not with one, you're with the other. And I do think it's like, if it's not one, it's the other. And if it's not one, it's both. Like there's just always something. And I think that has been the hardest transition and just 
being thrown back into the chaos of a newborn. And I know that that's temporary. And I also think the other part is temporary because once they're older and a little bit more on the same schedule, obviously one parent can be with them both. And you could be with them both. It's just really freaking hard. So I think that's what I'm having the hardest time with right now. And with that being said, is the feeling of like our family is divided because it is easier to just divide and conquer and it causes less stress and less planning and all of that. And while that's maybe easier emotionally, I miss that like family unit that we always did stuff together. That's probably been the hardest part of the transition. How to manage toddler tantrums. Okay. I got to be real. First of all, I don't fucking know. But second of all, yes, we definitely have tantrums in this household. Like I'm, the reality is every toddler has them. But I also have to acknowledge that like his tantrums are not as extreme as many of my friends have experienced. So like the advice that works for me may not work for your child. Also, that just goes with everything. What I find helpful is A, just like sometimes you just got to sit back and let them ride it out. And just be like, buddy, I'm here. You are safe. You're loved. Everything is okay. But like, just kind of let them work through the emotions. Like sometimes he literally just needs to work himself out of it. And I can just sit there with him. And I personally feel the more I try to intervene, intervene, intervene. Are you okay? What's going on? Like the more worked up he gets. So providing that space for him to just like feel his freaking feelings and ride the wave kind of works best for us. I will, obviously, if there's like kidding involved or behavior, like that's not acceptable. And then I intervene. But most of the time it's over something that he wanted that went a different way, et cetera. And a lot of times I will just try to pick him up and take him outdoors, like truly outside, just open up the back door and just like get him fresh air and remove him from that situation. And then just like sit with him in that moment and be like, okay, let's try and take some deep breaths. And if that works, great. But sometimes if they're so extreme, like I just kind of sit with him and let him ride the wave. But they're tough because you know what? There's no whiplash like a relationship with a toddler. It's like, I love you so much. You're my favorite person. And I'm saying this from his perspective, not mine, because I always love him. But him being like, well, mommy, I love you. I love you. I love you. And then the next second, like, I want a popsicle. And it's like, okay, do you want a strawberry or a blueberry popsicle? A strawberry. And I give him a strawberry popsicle. I wanted a blueberry popsicle. Like, what the fuck just happened? Truly, it is like, you can't even explain it. Like, I don't even know how we got there. So I think for us, what works is just reminding him, like, I'm here. It is okay. Let's take some deep breaths and like do the deep breaths with him. We started that at a young age and I do think it helps. And something about like the stepping outside, especially now that it's cold, that like rush of cold air sometimes helps. But I, I don't think there, if, if someone had an answer, none of us would be experiencing tantrums, right? And like, we all are. It's toddlers. They just are working through and figuring out their emotions. And there are a lot of them. All right. It's time to talk about the brand that I'm loving with my whole freaking heart right now. And that is Newly. If you've spent any time with me in person over the past, like, three months, especially in postpartum, but during my pregnancy, I have told you about how much I love Newly, And I am linking out all the time my outfits on Instagram that I have been renting on Newly because it has been a game changer for me, especially during postpartum. 
I currently don't fit in all of my clothes from before I had a baby and I'm not ready to like buy a whole new wardrobe yet because who knows what's going to happen with my body. So for right now, I've been renting with Newly and it has saved me so much money, yes, but also just mentally, like the ability to have clothes that fit me and that I feel confident in is such a gift. And I've specifically been renting jeans through them and it's the best thing I could have ever done. Newly is a subscription clothing rental company that allows you to have fun and get creative with your style. They have everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Since, again, my body is still changing, I love that I can get access to clothes that fit my current body without having to purchase them in case things change down the road. The jeans that they have as options are some of my favorite brands, like Levi's, I've been trying some Rolas, they have a Goldie. You have access to thousands of styles from more than 400 brands and they have inclusive sizing up to 5X as well as petite and maternity. With fast and free shipping and returns, the items arrive right to my door and I even have the option to buy pieces that I rent and fell in love with, sometimes even up to 70% off. Plus, it curbs the feeling that you always need to buy something new for upcoming events so you are without a doubt saving money in the end. Newly is a great value at $98 a month for any six styles. But right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with code Cameron20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's Newly with two U's and enter the code Cameron20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com, Newly with two U's with code Cameron20. Newly subscription clothing rental, change your clothes. A lot of people make New Year's resolutions to drink more water and stay healthier, but have you thought about upgrading the actual water you are drinking? Growing up, we were a plastic water bottle family, which I think was true for majority of us 90s kids. And I'm constantly thinking about not only how much plastic we wasted by doing this, but also the quality of water with the significant levels of microplastics, especially given that 90% of these bottles were sitting in my parents' suburban in the hot sun all summer long with our lacrosse and soccer games just melting away before we chugged them. Makes me cringe. Um, thankfully, we have learned a lot about providing better quality water over the years, and companies like LifeStraw have made it their mission to provide safer drinking water. You trust your water filter pitcher to make tap safe to drink, but is it really doing anything? Most filters can't remove gross contaminants like bacteria, parasites, PFAS, and microplastics. LifeStraw Home is the kitchen upgrade you'll wish you made years ago. It's the only water pitcher that filters out over 30 contaminants, including bacteria, microplastics, and PFAS, and makes your water taste way better. I love that the filter is a sleek, hand-blown glass design, so it's perfect for your fridge or countertop. I know we talked about this and did a poll on my Instagram, but I like my water room temperature. So I love that the filter can live on our countertop and not look misplaced. Most importantly, LifeStraw fights for the planet and gives back. For every pitcher sold, a child in need receives a year of safe water. Over 9 million kids to date. Better filtration, better taste, better design. LifeStraw home products can be found at lifestraw.com and on Amazon. What is your current child care situation? So right now... We have our sitter who we've had for the past two years. She comes three days a week from nine to five. So whoever does drop off for squash at school just picks her up from the train station on the way. And then my in-laws come one day a week. So I am parenting, like I'm the default solo childcare on one day a week. And then on another day of week, I tag team with our sitter because squash is in school only four days a week. So 
I kind of like we kind of divide and conquer with the child. So like I take one, she takes the other on Fridays. And then he doesn't do like a full, full day at school. So he gets out and we tag team for like the last two hours of the day of watching both kids. So yes, it's great. Could we benefit from more? Could I personally benefit from more? Absolutely, because it would allow me to work more. And this is just something that I'm really having a confusing mind gymnastics with of figuring out like what structure works. And I'm not trying to perfect it, but I would love it to be perfected, but I realize that's not possible of just finding that balance of giving myself time to be able to actually like step away and focus on work, which is a hard in general at home because it's really easy to just get like wrapped back into either household tasks or parenting and et cetera. But finding time for me to fully be able to like focus on work for periods of time so that I can then fully focus and parent when I am parenting. And that is just something that I'm really struggling with. I know I had a hard time with it the first time around. I'm having a hard time with it again this time around because it's all so different again. And I know it'll get easier with time, but navigating that has been a journey. On that note, what is your current division of labor and can you share what that process looks like? So if you've never heard that like terminology division of labor, or just if you're interested in this topic in general, I would highly recommend going back and listening to the episode I fully did on this and I'll link it in the show notes. But basically after having our first I had a lot of resentment towards my husband because I felt like I was doing so much and so much fell on me. And I was just jealous that like his life didn't seem to have changed as much as mine did. From a physical standpoint, it didn't change. Like his body did not get pregnant or experience childbirth or postpartum. So he was able to do things that I was jealous of. And then just from a time standpoint, he went back to work at two weeks postpartum. And I was like, what the fuck? Suddenly I'm doing everything. So I heard about this game called Fair Play and it's a card deck where it literally has, and I'll link it in the show notes, it has a card for like every possible task you could think of in a household. So you go through the deck and you basically pull all of the cards that apply to your household, right? Like there are cards for dogs. If you don't have a dog, you don't pull that card, but you create a deck of all the cards that apply to your specific household. And then what we did is I kind of wanted to prove my point where we divided the cards based on what we were already doing of who owned what task. And the reason I found this incredibly beneficial is because a lot of the tasks that he was doing at the time were very tangible. It was like taking out the trash. So it's clear that's done. And a lot of the tasks I were doing was more mental work, less tangible, even though they were taking up potentially more time. It felt like he felt like he was doing a lot and he wasn't getting the acknowledgement. And I felt like I was doing so much and I didn't have the support. So there was just this mismatch of like emotions and how we were perceiving reality. And so this helped us a lot. This was after our first, so over two years ago. And we basically did that. And I showed him, I was like, do you see how high my deck is? Like all of these things that I'm taking on that are more mental work and less tangible, I need to offload some. So you then go through the deck and you basically each own a card. So you decide who owns that card. And this can evolve over time. But the idea is that whoever owns that card, the other person doesn't have to think about it because the mental load of some tasks is so exhausting 
And if someone else is owning that task, the point is that I, the other person doesn't have to think. So for instance, the trash recycling, like this is just an example. I never once ever think about the trash has to go out, what days the trash cans have to be put at the end of the street, what day recycling is, what day bulk waste is, how many boxes we have, like that, not even a thought in my brain because I fully let go of it because he owns that task. Like Charlie's morning walk, he owns that task. I used to do nights. He's kind of taken over that task. If you're listening, Joe, I love you. Thanks. You took that over and we never really even had that discussion. So that's how you do the breakdown. Where we kind of landed is he does almost all like household tasks, like trash, recycling. He's like the main point of contact with any type of like issue in our house. Like we're dealing with a lot of stuff still going on with our builder and especially this garage project we're working on, et cetera. Like he's lead on that. He's point of contact. Charlie's walks in the mornings, bath and bedtime for our toddler. I'm kind of like bath and bedtime for our newborn. And then nights vary. We kind of sit on a Sunday night and decide the week ahead, like which night who's going to take the newborn because he's still, our baby's not sleeping through the night. And so one of us kind of owns that night. And we just look at it logistically of like what days you have something big happening that next day and you really want a good night's sleep the night prior. So that's not an equal 50-50 split, but they're divided depending on the night and whoever does the night, the other person does the dream feed. He, for the most part, does school drop-off for a toddler and I, for the most part, do school pickup. That's kind of like interchangeable, but that's pretty much set. He's in charge of all of Charlie's things. So like food, he feed, he does both of his feeds, setting up the vet appointments, setting up his grooming appointments. Like he's lead person on Charlie. I'm lead person for health for our two boys and for their extracurricular activities because my just schedule is way more flexible than his. So I'm doing like doctor's appointments and classes that they may have. What else is there? He owns laundry. I'm trying to think of other like divided tasks. Oh, I own groceries and meals. And that's all I can think of right now. I'm sure I'm missing so many things, but that for us has just helped so much in the like offload of work in division and the ability to just simply not have to think about 20,000 things a day. And instead just think about 10,000. How do you deal with mom guilt? I talk about this with a lot of my friends because I don't feel guilty when it comes to mom stuff. Guilt is not an emotion that I personally experience. I feel jealousy kind of like when I go to do something for myself, I don't feel guilty that I am not with my children or that someone else potentially, if Joe can't be the person, like we have to have someone come watch them. I feel uncomfortable asking for help, not out of guilt. That's more out of control and this like beat down of myself of I should be able to do everything, even though I know I shouldn't and I can't, but not guilt. So I don't have that feeling when I leave. I have the feeling of I don't want to miss a thing and I want to be there. And it's a jealousy thing to the point where this obviously is not possible or feasible or how life should work. But when I leave, I'm like, I almost wish the kids would just like sleep the whole time so that no one got to experience them. And I get that this is fucked up. Like I fully acknowledge that, fully acknowledge it. We talk about it in therapy. I just don't want to miss a thing because I love being with them so much. And it's this like all consuming, cute aggression, obsessiveness. 
never enough. And when I'm not with them, I get so jealous of whoever is with them and whoever gets to spend that time. And I know it's wildly important for them to have relationships with people outside of myself, whether it be my husband, my parents, my in-laws, a babysitter, cousins, aunts, uncles, et cetera. So they have that. I obviously like do step away and they have those relationships with other people. And I'm so fortunate and blessed and grateful for that. But I feel this like, I want to be doing that. Like, that I don't know if everyone feels. I have had this conversation with my friends and my sister and I've had it with Joe where this is just an example. And I think I've shared this before. I don't know. Basically, like this is one clear example that I called my sister after. I was like, okay, this is how I'm feeling. I'm curious if you would feel the same way because this is where we really differ. So my in-laws had our toddler for the day. They babysit him once a week, et cetera. They took him to the zoo, which so happy for them to do that. That is so fun for everyone involved. And I want to be very clear. My in-laws did absolutely nothing wrong in this scenario. They came home and we're sitting there and I'm like, oh my God, tell me everything. How was the zoo? I'm so excited to hear, you know, all of that. And they're like, there was a pony and like we did a pony ride. And immediately my heart sinks because I'm like, I, I wasn't there for his first pony ride. I, I didn't get to see this. And I don't at all make that clear in the moment. I'm like, oh my God, that's so exciting. Did you take any pictures? Can I see? Like, tell me everything about it to my son. And when we go upstairs, I said to my husband, I was like, is there any part of you, any part that's like, oh my God, I missed the first pony ride that makes me sad. And he's like, no, because he got to experience it with his grandparents. But I knew right away, just based on conversations we had had, that that's where your brain went. And I called my sister and I was like, would that have made you jealous. Like, I'm not angry. I don't feel guilt. I feel jealousy. And she said no too. So like, I don't know if this is a common thing or if it's a me thing, but I don't feel guilt. It's a jealous thing. What I remind myself of, and I think this applies also if you're feeling mom guilt, is that it is so important for your kids to have relationships with people outside of yourself, whether it be friends of yours, aunts, uncles, cousins, grandparents, etc. The second thing and the thing I try to encourage myself and remind myself of a ton, which Joe is very adamant about reminding me of, is that to be the best version of myself when I'm parenting them, I do need time to myself. You can't, I mean, maybe some people can, I cannot be 24 seven with your kids and expect to be the best parent possible for them. So do I think time away is important? Absolutely. And that could be whatever you're comfortable with, okay? That could be an hour workout class just outside of the house, a brunch with friends, getting a manicure or pedicure. It could also be going on a girl's trip, getting out of the house, like having time to yourself. I think it's also so intertwined in, I actually did a campaign with TJ Maxx on this. I don't know if it'll be live by the time this episode comes out, but it's applicable. It's about this like concept that we are more than a, XYZ label. So like for me, a mom. Yes, I'm a mom. And I love being a mom. It's my favorite, like truly the best gift I could ever have been given. And I'm so proud of that label. However, I'm also a lot of other things. I'm a sister. I'm a wife. I'm a daughter. I'm a friend. I'm a business owner. I'm a podcast host, like etc. And I have to be able to also put time in to those labels so that I can be the best version of myself when I'm wearing my mom label. And that's something that I always know is true because when I go to do it and I come back, I am just so much happier and I have so much more to give to my children. But it's something that I'm 
not great at implementing and it, it does need a lot of push from my husband to remind me. And he's always trying to remind me. And I so appreciate that. And I do think that every time I do it, I remember. So I try to remind myself continuously, like it's important for you to do stuff for yourself. And another person asked on that note, as a first time stay at home mom, I'm jealous of how confident you are in taking time for you. What led you there? And it, it's the true belief that like you cannot fill from an empty cup. You simply can't. So that time for yourself will look different for everyone based on your structure at home, based on your finances, based on how many kids you have, their age, et cetera. In order to be the best possible mom you can be, you need to take time for yourself outside of being a mom. Again, gonna look different for everyone, but I do think it's really important to prioritize, especially for your mental health, because it is really easy to get sucked in and forget about yourself. And then you start to lose yourself a bit. I am a very simple skincare girly and fully believe in the less is more approach. Partially that's because I'm just overwhelmed by the abundance of products available right now, but also because time is of the essence in my life and the easier the routine, the better. With that, I'm also focused on making sure I'm taking care of my skin as I age. As someone in their young 30s, I've noticed that my skin has definitely changed over time and the wrinkles are becoming more and more prevalent and I would love to try my best to just simply slow down that process a little bit. I've been looking for a skincare product that can effectively combat aging and wrinkles and help restore the appearance of youth to my skin. And that is why I love Purity Woods so much. Purity Woods' mission is to provide people with the cleanest and most effective healthy aging and longevity products available. All of their products are USDA certified organic, non-GMO, free of anything artificial, free of toxic preservatives and synthetic additives like pesticides, chemical fertilizers, and dyes, parabens, and of course, it's cruelty-free and never tested on animals. The Purity Woods Age-Defying Dream Cream has become a new staple in my routine to assist with eliminating fine lines and wrinkles, age spots, and uneven skin tone. The reality is we're all going to age and what a gift that is, but products like this help me do that in a way where I still have confidence at the forefront. Turn back time on the appearance of your skin with Purity Woods age-defying dream cream. Purity Woods is currently offering 17% off site-wide, but we have an additional 10% discount for our listeners for a total savings of 27%. Go to puritywoods.com slash Cameron or enter code Cameron at checkout for an additional 10% off your first order. That's P-U-R-I-T-Y-W-O-O-D ds.com and enter code Cameron for a total of 27% off your first order. I have talked at nauseam about my love for this brand because they honestly helped me get through every day when I was pregnant. And then especially when I was breastfeeding, because both of those periods of my life included this type of thirst that like, I honestly cannot put into words. It was never freaking ending and I could never quench it. Because of that, I heavily relied on my daily Element over ice in my straw cup. Element is a tasty electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing you don't, which means a lot of salt with no sugar. This product contains a science-backed electrolyte ratio with none of the junk like coloring, artificial ingredients, and other BS additives. Whether you overdid it this past weekend, you're attending too many parties, you know, new year, go wild, working out a ton, or you're just trying to keep an active lifestyle, replenishing electrolytes is super important. While I love an ice cold glass of citrus salt element. And I know I said I drink room temperature water and I do except for if it's element, if it's element then I want to over ice. 
However, with the cold weather, I am in need of a nice warm cup of something tasty, and that is where the new Element chocolate medley flavors come in. Chocolate mint, chocolate chai, and chocolate raspberry are designed to be enjoyed hot and are perfect for your cold morning walk, skiing, snowboarding, skating, or even just driveway shoveling. Right now, Element is offering listeners a free sample pack with any purchase when you purchase through my link. Go to drinkelement.com slash Cameron to receive a free Element sample pack with any order when you purchase through my URL. Also, Element offers no questions asked refunds, so you can try it totally risk-free. If you don't like it, they will give you your money back with no questions asked. How to navigate your first not being your baby anymore. I'm due soon and I'm struggling. Okay, I'm still kind of figuring this out and it is hard, but I think it's less about him being my baby anymore. It's more about like me giving him my undivided attention. That's where I'm struggling because I can't anymore. But my therapist always likes to remind me that like in his life, he's not going to receive undivided attention. So like that's something that he needs to learn to be able to like not get everyone's undivided attention. But when it comes to like him not being the baby anymore, I look at it on the flip side of like how freaking exciting is it every time he grows He's learning all these new things and has these new abilities. And for me, I truly feel like every period that I've had with him, I continue to just be like, oh my God, this is my favorite. This is my favorite. Like when he got a little bit older, basically where our baby is now around like three and a half months and he starts smiling. I'm like, oh my God, I love this. And then around month like six, when you can like put them on your hip, you're like, oh, this is so great. Like they're sturdy. And then they start to crawl and then they're walking and then they start talking and then you can have conversations with them and then they're doing things. Like every time something new is untapped, I fall even more and more in love and I love that stage. And so I don't feel this like, I wish you were still a baby because I really do just enjoy every moment as he's continuing to get older. And like, I keep thinking this is going to be the best stage. Like nothing will beat this. And then he starts to do something else. And I'm like, this is so awesome. Like the fact that he converses with me right now and it's just so much fun. And I never would have thought that this stage was more fun than the seven month stage because I was so obsessed with that. So I don't struggle with him not being my baby anymore, but I do struggle with me not being able to give the undivided attention. But unfortunately, that's the reality of having more than one child. So I would almost try to like flip the script of thinking about how exciting each new phase has been and how it'll just continue to get more and more exciting. What is your favorite thing about being a boy mom? All right. I've actually been asked this a lot and I've hesitated to respond because I don't want to like cause any feelings for people. I don't love the title boy mom. Yes. Am I a mother to two boys? Absolutely. Like I'm aware of that, but I don't like to call myself a boy mom. I'm just a mom who has sons. Part of me is because there's this like, I don't know why, not why are we obsessed with the gender, but like, why does it have to be that different? Obviously there are things that are going to differ. But I feel like at this young age, I'm trying to implement the same things around emotions and even like toys available that I would if I had a daughter, you know, like we have cars and we have Barbies and doesn't have to be only one. And I'm not saying that by asking this question, you feel like it does. I just, that's kind of the pushback I give to those labels. It's like, can't we just be a mom and you happen to have what child you have? The one thing I think I am doing that I wouldn't maybe be doing with a daughter is that I realize I am going to be raising like 
privileged white males. So there is conversation that we're going to start having around that and also trying to raise boys who are like emotionally intelligent and able and willing and vulnerable enough to like discuss their emotions. And so, yes, we have books focused on that. Like I love the book, What Little Boys Are Made Of. And there's this one line that's like, you know, I feel how I feel. I'm not afraid to show my tears. And he's always like, I'm not afraid to show my tears. I'm like, no, you are not. But I think that's the really only thing I feel I'm doing differently is owning that responsibility and realizing that I want to raise sons that I'm proud of. And I would want to do the same for a daughter. But I do think that like, as the more privileged sex, I want to make sure that they are aware of that title in a way, but using it for good. What is your rule on TV if you have one? We do not have a rule. Well, we don't have a rule. We have guidelines. Okay. The first thing is we don't watch TV in the mornings on weekdays just because I think it just would like kind of throw our morning for a loop before school. And I prefer not to. If there's a morning, well, there are mornings. Once a week, I'm alone with the boys while Joe is in the office. So if there's like a five minute window where like I really just need him to sit still while I'm doing something for our baby, I will put it on. But for the most part on weekdays, we do not watch TV in the mornings. The other rule is that we get to decide when TV happens. Like he doesn't get to demand he wants to watch something. It's on our terms. So, you know, we really use it like if we're trying to get something done and neither of us can like actively be playing with him. And to be honest, he is a incredibly independent player. He will play by himself for 45 minutes to an hour. It is not normal. I'm aware of that, but it's really inspiring to watch quite honestly. So we don't have to use it a ton, but I'm also not like against TV because I realize we live in a technology focused world. So it's not like he's never going to be around his screen. I would say on weekends, we watch it each day, but there's no real like time limit on it. We're probably watching like 30 minutes. And then on weekdays, I'm just thinking back on this week, like probably one to two weekdays we watch it again, like probably 30 ish minutes. The other rule we have is there's no screens at dinner, but that's like across the board. Joe and I are not allowed to be on any form of technology either, but that's just because I want our family dinners to be focused around like conversation instead of watching something. And the other thing is like, we get to decide when we're done. And we try to give a warning of like, hey, let's watch five more minutes. Or if we're watching Toy Story, like, okay, when this scene is done or until this scene happens, or if we're watching Bluey, like when this episode's over and then- we stick to it. And it's like, it's done. And it's like, if there's a tantrum, buddy, we gave you a warning, you know, that was our allocated TV time. We're done for the day. Let's go play XYZ. And he doesn't have an iPad because I simply just don't want to give him one, quite honestly. Like, I don't think he needs one. So I guess that also limits his screen time. But I don't, I mean, I would say there aren't rules, but I guess I just kind of laid some out for you. So I guess there are rules, but I think you just kind of have to do what works for your family. Okay, now into postpartum. Are you feeling any PPD or PPA this time around compared to your first? I honestly am not feeling depressed. I was talking about this this morning with my therapist and I feel so grateful for that. But there is this odd thing that's happening where if I stop stimulating myself, like if I just simply sit, I cry. And it's not a like, I'm sad crying. It's like, a, I'm so overwhelmed and the emotions are just like coming to the forefront. So 
It's happened a few times and I'm acknowledging it because I do think I fill myself with stimuli where like I just can't chill. And it's a mix of because there's so much going on and so much I want to accomplish, et cetera. And then also a mix of, I think I'm using it to numb myself because I'm not ready to sit with my feelings. So I don't know if I'd qualify either of them as postpartum anxiety or depression. I feel anxious, but I'm just an anxious person. The postpartum anxiety I experienced with my first was very intense around obsession, control, intrusive thoughts. I don't have those. Yes, I have a random intrusive thought every once in a while because I kind of always have, but it's not at all like it was with my first. And I feel very, very grateful and blessed. And I think that's because I realized after my first that like they are more resilient than we think. And I had gotten through it. So it wasn't all so new and terrifying to me. What support do you wish you had during postpartum that you didn't? Well, we had a nighttime doula, like a postpartum doula, night nurse, three nights a week for, for, I think, the first like six or seven weeks. Financially, wouldn't have made sense, but would have been amazing to have like all seven nights a week. Honestly, up until now, because we're still not sleeping through the night. So like that in the dream world, the other main like dream I would have is to have someone cooking my meals. I just don't like at the end of the day, it's the last thing I want to do. And it's so not the focus of my mind anymore, where I think that's the greatest gift you can give anyone in postpartum other than sleep. That is the greatest gift. The second thing would be food, like dropping off home cooked meals, sending them things that you know they like, etc. But I had that support in the sense of a meal train and it was truly one of the best things ever. But if we're dreaming big, it would be someone like cooking my meals for me. Those probably two things are like the top things I wish I had. On that note, my mother-in-law wants to stay with us for two weeks right now when the baby is born. How do I tell her no? Nope, you set the boundary. No, 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 no. Okay, so my mother-in-law did not do this. I love her with every bone in my body. And I think she knows just boundary-wise that that's not something I would want. But my mom did try. My mom for a very long time wanted to come and live with us after the baby was born. And she was like, you know, people do it all over the world and they do. And would certain aspects of that support be helpful? 110%. Absolutely. And this is what I had to say to her. I love you so much. Thank you so much for offering. You are so kind. I know that that would be probably very helpful in certain avenues, However, I know myself best and I really like to have my own space, especially when I'm feeling vulnerable, which it doesn't get more vulnerable than postpartum. So I want to set that boundary of like having the space for just myself, my husband and our children. But if you're willing to help in other ways, I would greatly appreciate it. And I think you can say that. I mean, I don't know your relationship with your mother-in-law, so maybe this is coming from your partner and not you. And having them tell their mom that type of dialogue of just like, thank you so much. We're so grateful for the offer and we're going to kindly decline because it's a very vulnerable experience. And I don't know what your living quarters are, but like, I know that there was zero chance this was happening when we lived in an apartment and even in a house, like when we had this space, I just know me best. Like I like my space and I didn't want someone not even like, yes, my, my mom, but also like a hired person. Like I just didn't want anyone there constantly because I wanted time for us to be just a family ourselves. So I would hope that she would understand. 
one of my goals for this new year is to get more protein in with my breakfast because I notice that especially when trying to wrangle two kids in the morning, my breakfast is just like taking a backseat and I'm definitely not getting in enough protein to start my day. It leaves me feeling lightheaded and hungry just like shortly after finishing my meal. And I just don't like feeling that way. To do so, my go-to lately has been breakfast sausage, two fried eggs, some avocado toast, and a side of fruit. And yeah, it's extravagant and elaborate and I'm here for it. The star of this meal is my caraway frying pan. With naturally slick surfaces, I need minimal oil for slide off the pan eggs and the cleanup is so easy. It legitimately takes only a few seconds. We switched to caraway cookware when we moved into our new house last year and I don't envision us ever going back. Caraway's nonstick kitchenware makes cooking a breeze and cleanup easier than ever. Plus, their high-quality ceramic-coated kitchenware is free of PTFE, lead, and other toxic materials, and they come in the most beautiful colorway options. With our blue cabinets that take over our kitchen, I just fully leaned the hell in and went with a navy set, and I love the way it looks. Gone are the days of putting all of our pots and pans away to make the kitchen look organized and clean. I love the design so much that they are out and displayed on our stovetop 24-7. With cookware, bakeware, storage, and tea kettles to choose from, there is something for everyone. If you want to upgrade your cookware, visit carawayhome.com slash Cameron to take advantage of this limited time offer for 10% off your next purchase. This deal is exclusive for our listeners, so visit carawayhome.com slash Cameron or use code Cameron at checkout. Caraway non-toxic cookware made modern. How is your relationship with your husband after your second baby? So we are exiting the roommate phase right now, thank God. We definitely had a hard time in the very beginning, because like I said, the transition was so intense in the sense of you now never had a second to yourself where we were used to being able to split parenting duties and have alone time to do what we wanted to do to fill up our own cup. That just kind of like went away. And I think with that postpartum was maybe a little harder on him this time around than it was on me the first time. And I've heard this saying that like, in a heterosexual relationship, the first is harder on the woman and the second is harder on the man because the first go around, like more did fall on me as someone who was breastfeeding. And yes, he was doing a lot while I was breastfeeding, but he also had like that time to just simply not have to like have a child on him. And this time around, that wasn't the case because then you're with the toddler. And so I think it felt even more of a life shift for him of like really having no time. And the roommate phase, unfortunately, I don't know one couple who hasn't experienced it. If you didn't, good for you. But for us and for all of my friends, it just becomes very like logistical focused around your kids. And you almost feel like two roommates living in the same home or two colleagues in an office, like on a work team together. And there also is this removal of like intimacy because postpartum is just simply not sexy. And you're not having sex. And for me, at least, like I'm incredibly touched out. I don't even want to be touched, like let alone we're not having sex, but like I don't even want to be hugged. And because we now have two kids, we were sleeping in separate beds and we still are, depending on who's watching which monitor. Because for us, I mean, do I like this from a relationship standpoint? No, I don't. I can't wait to sleep in the same bed again. Do I like it from a sleep and logistical standpoint? Absolutely. Because- I know if he has our baby's monitor for the night and I have our toddlers, I'm sleeping through the night. Knock on wood. For the most part, I'm sleeping through the night. God forbid anything else happens. And if I were in the same bed as him and he was like still on baby duty, 
I would wake up to every cry through that monitor and I wouldn't be able to sleep either. So instead of like never sleeping, this is how we've worked it so that every once in a while, each of us can get like a full night's rest. But again, that doesn't help with the roommate phase because then you're legitimately roommates by living in two separate rooms. What has helped is A, over communication of emotions and feelings. And like if those feelings are frustration or anger, not sharing them in the moment of heat and like allowing yourself to calm down a little bit and then revisiting it. But with that, like not letting things fester because I think that's when like that small straw breaks the camel's back and you snap and it's suddenly like World War Three over nothing. So that has something we've always been focused on, but especially in postpartum. The other thing I would say is like trying to carve out time for each of you to have alone time. Again, so you can be the best version of yourself, not only as a parent, but in the relationship in the mornings and at night, like having some form of time to just like check in on each other, a quick hug. Good morning. How are you? I love you. Good night. You know, we do grateful and excited things we're grateful for from that day, things we're excited for for the next day. We've done it for, I don't know, like seven years now, maybe every night and then sex. And I know you don't want to hear that in postpartum because it's the last thing on your mind, but sex helps a lot to get through that roommate phase. I'm not going to lie. And this will just tie right into the next question is how is sex postpartum? I think I waited around eight weeks. I got cleared around six weeks. And I think we waited around eight weeks, which was the same as the first time around. I'm coming from a place of I did not tear. So like the recovery was not bad for me physically. And now sex feels great again. And my God, have I missed good sex because I just did not sex like really hurt me during pregnancy and I did not enjoy it. Like any form of it, it just, I was just so not interested. The first pregnancy, very interested. The second pregnancy, not interested at all. And it physically did not feel great. So for me, it is so wonderful to enjoy having sex again. Like I missed that. And I share this because I would have never thought this were the case or possible, but I will say we have the, I, I'm having the best sex of my life after having children. So it's possible. And I will link an episode in the show notes that I listen to that I recommend to everyone around sex. I just think it's so important. It opened my eyes to so many different things and has sparked so many conversations. But I think making sex a priority to get through that roommate phase and to keep the intimacy of a relationship is really important. And I totally also understand that in postpartum, and like for the first year of a kid's life or however long, like it's not the priority of interest because you're touched out, you're exhausted. You're just like, you just want to go to bed. You don't feel necessarily in your body as you once did, especially if you're breastfeeding. For me, I felt that way. But two things. One, for any men or partners listening, foreplay starts from the second you wake up. From the second you wake up. Not when you get in bed and you roll over and you like try to make some moves. No. Foreplay starts from the second you get up. What was your energy like when you came down that morning? How were you with the kids? Emptying the dishwasher, taking tasks off of your wife's plate, like those things, turn-ons, okay? Turn-ons. So one, wildly important, and tell your partner that. Two, romance novels. The amount of friends that I've spoken with that are like, I have no sex drive, I'm just exhausted by the end of the day, I'm really struggling, I'm like sliding them romance novels. Read this. It'll change how you feel, okay? Some of Sometimes you just need a little extra spark to like maybe make you the initiator and these books can do that for you. Check out my highlight 
on my Instagram. Last question. I saved my favorite question for last. Fuck, Mary kill, Matt leave. Postpartum doula, childcare for the older child or meal train. I'm going to marry the postpartum doula because there is nothing better, nothing better than getting a full night's sleep with a newborn. So I'm marrying them. Also because like they're like little house fairy godmothers. Like we would come downstairs and the bottles would be washed. My pumping parts were washed when I was still pumping. Like laundry had been folded. The kitchen was cleaned. God send the best money spent. I'm going to fuck the meal train because again, I really, really, really like hate thinking about food at the end of the day, especially postpartum. That was just like the last thing on my mind. And then I know this might be shocking, but I'm going to kill the childcare for a toddler. Like, is it incredibly helpful? Yes. Is it so hard to navigate a toddler with a baby? It can be, absolutely. But if I have a full night's sleep from this marrying a postpartum doula and a meal train most nights, if I'm fucking the meal train, I can navigate that better. Also, I have to note that like my toddler is very easily like entertains himself, but I think that's what I would do. Okay. Thank you so much for submitting all of your questions and for listening. I love the feedback on the new structure of the podcast that we're kind of doing and going with. Obviously we're still figuring it out, but we're figuring it out together. You guys are the greatest. If you have the time, rate, review, subscribe, all of those things. It helps the show a lot. Share with a friend on your socials if you do that. Send me a message what you liked, what you didn't. I'm very open to feedback. And then we will revisit the Q&A for a non-kid episode in the foreseeable future. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode of Freckled Foodie and Friends. I have so much fun recording the show. It is my favorite part of my job and truly is what lights me up. Your feedback and response to every episode is what keeps me going. And if this episode resonated with you, please feel free to DM me over on Instagram or share on your stories. If you are looking for a way to support the show, please rate and or review on whatever platform you use to listen to your podcast. It means the world to me and it really helps the show grow. Please also make sure to hit subscribe so that you are up to date with new episodes coming at you every Wednesday morning. And of course, please be sure to follow me on Instagram and TikTok at at Cameron Oaks Rogers. I love you and I appreciate your support so much. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.